Hello and welcome to today's episode of Spiritual Mixtape. I'm your host, Daisy Mack, and today is super special for me because I get to interview and chat with the incredible Sophia Kearney. She is an example of what an incredible human can be. A big-hearted, beautiful, patient leader within the music industry. She is the co-founder of the incredible He, She, They. They host the best parties in the land. They have a record label and a fashion label. And if that's not enough, they are a place of inclusivity for all. And when she isn't running all of those fun shows and parties from Ibiza to San Francisco, you'll find her traveling the world, pursuing her spiritual side. Sophia, I am so glad to have you on the show. It was such a crazy day, you know, actually, because we had met each other multiple times through various friends and through our jobs and fun times at festivals and whatever, but we'd never connected on that one-on-one level. And I knew that you were living in LA and I had a couple of, I, I was actually crazy jet lagged. I hadn't slept, I think, for about two days and it was the worst jet lag I'd ever had. And we we met for lunch and then we ended up going back to yours, didn't we? Uh, and we just, we had one of those instant connection moments where we both just started pouring out our hearts immediately. We obviously, we'd been thrown together for some reason at that moment. Um, yeah, and yeah, we ended up having that Reiki session, which is crazy. It was very X-Men now when I think about it. It was very windy and in your garden and I don't know, it was, it was, there was, it was a lot of charged energy in the air it felt during that. I get chills thinking about it now. And when I asked you to come on the podcast and be a guest, it was the memory of you that kept coming back. And we've had some really fun times since then. There's been a couple of Coachellas, some Glastonbury's all through COVID. And I've had a whole change of career and your career's gone like astronomical, the amazing documentary that you have coming out. By the time this podcast airs, it it should be out, uh, right? Like it will be very close to being so if it's not out quite yet. We've actually, we've, we've submitted it. Who knows whether it'll get picked up, but we submitted it for a few film festivals. Um, and we're talking to some <gasps> distributors about where it's actually going to sit at the moment. So pending those conversations and stuff. Um, yeah. So I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but did you ever think that you would be talking to distributors about film festivals for a documentary you're in. No. And I know that your business partner, Brains, I've seen the documentary, calls it a labor of love. Like, did you ever think that this could have that sort of platform? Like, is that why you started it? Tell everyone about He, She, They. So He, She, They, it's a brand that originated in London, but is now global um, and spans events, record label, clothing, um, and lots of sort of individual special projects, like with brands or whatever it is. In a nutshell, it is uh, we strive to make mainstream clubbing spaces more accessible and diverse to a wider range of of people, with a consideration of the roots of where electronic music started in in the predominantly queer and black communities in in North America, and we felt from being artist managers and traveling with our DJs and artists that the dance floors have become 
very, very whitewashed, especially in sort of mainstream electronic music. And also the gender balances on the dance floors, queer people were, were not welcome in lots of mainstream spaces, or even if they were welcome, they weren't actively represented behind the decks and as dancers, therefore diversifying the dance floor on those Friday and Saturday nights. So we just felt like our after parties and even the supermarket was more diverse than the club dancers, which is not really how things should be. And we would have after parties and we would have all of our different weird and wonderful friends and characters arriving from six or seven different club nights where each group of people felt was their space. But there wasn't a space really where we felt we could all go together. And so it was born from that, really. And we're five years in now. Obviously, we couldn't have events for two years during COVID. So we we did various things like start the label in that time. But um, it's been the wildest, most rewarding, difficult entrepreneurial journey of my life. And I, I'm we're right in the in the eye of the storm still. So I'm excited to see what happens with it because I would have never believed 70% of the things that you've told me that we'd be able to do and achieve if you'd told me in the first year. So I love that you've actually just said that you wouldn't have believed the 70%. So what kept you going? Like what kept this belief and this passion? Even things down to minute individual conversations I was having with certain people about how they had felt in the space or one scenario I've used before, which just really sums it up is there was a guy who was working on one of the first events and that's how I originally met this person he'd had a girlfriend when I first met him and then he told me after that the guest's names was for actually for his new boyfriend and for four of his straight mates and he felt that coming to Hishidei at Fabric on a Saturday night was way less formal than taking everyone out to dinner and coming out in some sort of awkward laugh or whatever you know and and these are my words not his but just that he felt that it was the the perfect place and that taking them to a queer bar or taking them you know it, it was the perfect neutral ground where everybody felt very welcome and at home and they could just have that have that conversation have a drink at the bar and then go and party with everyone else and our nights don't exclude anybody like you know, I think there's there could be some sort of movements about sort of, oh, you know, cis white men are the enemy now. They've had it good for so long. And now that, you know, and I really don't believe in that. I really believe if we start to exclude any group of people, then we're kind of following the same principles that haven't served everybody for such a long time anyway. So we have a lot of straight people on our lineups. I identify as straight. We have a lot of white men on our lineups as well. The big, the big important thing there is that their politics aligns with ours, because it's also really important for the likes of Patrick Topping, Guillaume Vicar, Melody, like all of whom who are really supportive of what we do, for their fans who idolise them to come into this space and mix with lots of different people that they may not mix with on a day to day basis, but see the dancers and the DJs and everyone having this brilliant time together. The ultimate goal is that music has always changed culture and so if people can bond together over a shared love of music and a shared experience in a room hopefully those little ripples can filter out into wider society and 
will someone stick up for someone that they see being attacked or will someone just not stare at someone or will someone tell off their friend for using a slur like and those little things make such a difference and we're probably never going to know a million of those things whether they happen or not but we're using the piece of privilege and trying to change the little piece of world that we've got and even though I'm a woman and Stephen my business partner is a queer man of which the amount of people in music and the big brands that they are the ones that are global and that are being run and creatively driven and decided by a woman and a queer man there isn't another one but we're obviously still privileged we're still cis white people both of us even though so we've had experiences of privilege on one side but then we've experienced you know misogyny and homophobia on on other sides so hopefully that leads us to having a degree of empathy that means we can be very considered in how we try and platform all these talented people that don't often get as many chances. So I love that you've you've just answered my next question, which was like, how do you do what you do? And you've just said that you've, how you found your empathy and all of the ways in which it takes a ton of bravery to do what you do, to be quite honest. Like it's a scary world sometimes. I don't want to put that out there, but it can be to to stick up for what you believe obviously I live in America where the politics is super divided about anything gender equality it's a it's a scary time to talk up and you run nights here which I love I have I see my friends who have nothing to do with the music industry going up to your night in San Francisco and all of those things and it's beautiful to see the the bleed and the crossover and you actually when I asked you to do this podcast you use the phrase bleed about how your spirituality moves through your business decisions and I'd love to like just talk about that like let's take it away I always thought I had to choose between the two I don't follow a particular religion but I've always felt very connected to nature and spirituality and those things have always been very important to me and I started pursuing it a lot more after a visit that I had with a psychic in London in like the end of 2015, where some of the things she said and how she read me after only knowing my first name, no bank details, no, no, nothing blew my mind to such a level that it kind of kickstarted um, a passion to seek those, those things out. And I all, and, and that side of me has grown very much since then in various different ways through plant medicine and through other, other practices like Reiki and Kundalini yoga. But, and I, as, as I started growing through this path more and more and more through towards sort of 2018, 2019, it became a thing that I used to visit the psychic once a year around my birthday. And it just gave me such a, uh, a boost in terms of changing my opening up my thinking and that was actually the most valuable thing it wasn't like I went and said is this going to happen yes or no and then and I remember I sat with her after I'd been to India and done the level one and two Reiki and I said I I don't know what to do because I feel so pulled to this spiritual part of my life and I feel like I could so jack in the music stuff and go and do this but something's telling me not to. And obviously we've met each other maybe three or four times by this point. So I'm more open with her about giving her more information rather than the first time you go and see someone, I think you're always really quite 
tight-lipped you're there is a certain element of wanting some sort of intuitive or psychic to prove themselves before you're willing to open them up she had done that time and time again so and she she said something really valuable to me when I explained to her about he she they and what we were doing is she said uh, I don't I think you're missing the point what you're doing is very spiritual you're actually bringing your spiritual side into those clubs and into those dancers and you're giving people a spiritual feeling through something that you're creating and I don't think you should underestimate that and I don't think you should stop seeing them as two separate things and you're going in two different directions like how can you push the two together and actually that is where the uniqueness of what you can offer the world can be and that I couldn't stop thinking about for like several weeks after that and that changed everything really and I I stopped I stopped thinking that I was going to leave and jack it all in and I had to pick between the two and then it became both for me I mean I just got tingles again second time since we've been talking yeah I just got a bit emotional I haven't actually said that aloud to any I've told a couple of friends that but like way 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 back when so I haven't actually articulated that for a while and doing that after knowing how much further we've come is actually quite emotional yeah yeah that's an intention and a way of anchoring in to something bigger than yourself giving meaning and purpose to what you do and just the idea of giving people a spiritual experience that wouldn't have had it in a time and age where sadness is an epidemic right now people don't have the coping mechanisms they don't have the sense of community to back them up the reason I got into the music industry all way back when this is like 20 years ago whatever really was for that euphoria on the dance floor which you don't you don't even need plant medicine to get there the like when there's people around you saying and doing the same thing and accepting of you hands in the air like there's no other feeling of it and when I got into breath work or started teaching breath work I always wanted to mimic that feeling like trying to get people to euphoria and 20 it's actually kind of it's easier than you think if you can create that community but what you've just said is so beautiful and imagine if all companies to a certain degree wanted that for their customer and you're right you you've been very kind to give me a, a breathwork when when we've met up in LA and stuff and it is it's that feeling that same feeling is the same feeling that I get after I've completed a particularly difficult breathwork or pose in Kundalini and then you get to relax for the for the for all of the beautiful happy hormones to, to rush all over you or it's the same feeling as being there in a particular moment in a rave where like maybe the sun's just coming up at a festival and everyone's been in this zone on this journey with a DJ for two hours and it's just about how you fill your sort of spiritual cup and raves really do that for me and there's times after our events when everyone's gone home and we're packing up the posters packing up the light boxes and then you're dragging this heavy suitcase and you're stood outside the club at seven in the morning (laughs) and you just sort of there's this real feeling of like peace and like groundedness from that and yeah, the the music and how it can move you on the dance floor in that way. And also the people that you meet. Like the first raves I ever went to when I was 18 
were, I didn't know who was actually playing. It was a rave called Planet Angel that used to happen at Fire in Vauxhall. And we used to break, take the train from High Wycombe uh, to London, do the all night train, then get the first train home. And it was, there was like space hoppers, giant Jenga, Lego, you could draw on the walls. They had great music, but it was more about lounging around outside and, you know, someone would ask you for a lighter and you'd give them and then you'd end up in this like two hour conversation all about like their lives and you know, having a big hug at the end. And raving had really lost that sense of fun and silliness and community and being a space to actually meet people and connect with people rather than just, you know, DJs are the new rock stars. Let me get my phone out. I have to get this video of me being as close as possible to the to the decks so that everyone else can know that I was here, which is a very, I just, I don't know. I, I, like the, the immediate word that came to me was, was, was egocentric there, but I actually don't think it is. It's more like, it's a desperation yeah. to belong and a desperation for connection, but just slightly off the mark. Because you're not actually going to get anything from that. You might get that instant gratification and some dopamine when 75 people like that video and go, oh, my God, you're so lucky. I wish I was there. I've got such FOMO. But is that actually filling you up more than that conversation with that person when you were, like, lying on the floor of some smoking area at four in the morning, just like not even you could have been anywhere. But you that was was that for me, that's more real connection. Deep connection. So is that one of the things that you would say if someone came to you and they're like, I'm feeling a bit lost? Is that one of the things that you would be like, here is my recommendation for you. Find some deep connection in a safe place. Yeah, I think the opposite of addiction is connection, really. I think we all in our lives are so exposed to so many different things, even, even down to like, you know, snacking too much, you know, and it's like, what is the dopamine things that feel there? And I was just, I was fascinated to understand those, those different elements. And that resonated with me so much because I think when we overeat, when we consume drugs, when we smoke, when we drink, when we do all of these things, we're actually masking a lack of connection or we're seeking it be it subconsciously, seeking a connection to ourselves through a confidence or whatever it is from what, whatever the substance is or a comfort from something. It's because we're generally quite unhappy and possibly feeling quite lonely. And you can still have a partner and friends and everything and feel a sense of loneliness if, you're, if your cup's not full inside, you know. I would say that my busiest times of my life are my loneliest. Historically, not anymore, but looking back, yeah, I relate to that. Like we, there are times when I'm probably in maybe, I don't know, about 250 WhatsApp groups to do with work. They're not all active at the same time, but there's probably about 70 of them, 80 of them that are maybe active at any one time. Plus not to mention you've got all your individual conversations with friends. Plus you've got your emails. Plus you've got your Insta DMs. You've got all these things. We've never been more connected to everyone ever, but yet we're never We've never had more mental health issues and, and problems than we have now. Uh, we're talking about it, which is great, 
So perhaps that's an element of why they seem higher, but I still think they're more and more prevalent in this age, especially since COVID, than than they ever were before. Because people have the ability to see all the things. Comparison is the thief of joy. These are all the things you could be doing. You could be on Instagram, this influencer with all these handbags and all this. You could be in this far-flung tropical destination. Like, There's so many reasons to berate yourself for not being good enough. And we all have those inside us already anyway. So now they're just being shown them on a scroll constantly as well. I mean, yeah, I love social media, but it's it can be so uh, easy to use it unhealthily. But what I wanted to ask you as well about social media, because you feel connected, like you feel like you're seeing everyone's news, you're liking their kids or liking their trips or congratulating them with a heart for their job promotion or whatever it is that they're doing. I actually think that because I'm surface level seeing everyone, it's so rare to truly have someone turn around and be like, how are you? I have pretty much nearly everybody who's my actual friend on my Instagram muted. And these are people that I love very much. And it's for this exact reason. I want to go into a dinner with four girlfriends and be like, hey, like, what have you been up to? And I want to hear their, see the animation in their faces and chat to people and actually have that real time connection and interaction and not be being like, okay, well, my next, I'm thinking about the next question I'm going to ask them because I know that they did this because I saw it on Instagram, but they haven't mentioned it yet. So I'm just, I can prompt that and bring that up. It's like, (laughs) we're scripting our lives. We're scripting our lives and we're giving everyone all these like points to like, where, where is the real authentic connection? And, and what I find even more interesting is sometimes when, when if I will not know something about somebody and that becomes apparent in a conversation, there are definitely people that have almost been quite affronted or offended. But people see it as a negative and I don't. I just actually want to talk to you when I see you and like... I look I totally get it I have a lot of friends now that work for themselves and you need to present yourself on online because a lot of them are selling direct from their social media to their audience and that isn't who they are as my friend it's difficult to constantly be in the feed of your friends selling because they're not talking to you when they're in that process they're building their brands they're talking to the people that are going to be in business with them it's real blurred lines of where you support your friends where you show up for your friends and where where you turn into the authentic human like you said and I think if you don't have that grounding it can be very messy like what where your energy goes where you leave that bit of energy Yeah, I can have sort of months where I don't post, but I also do appreciate that with what I do and that there has to be an element of me supporting my artists, which I, of course, want to do, the artists that I manage and posting about the shows that we're doing and different things like that. But I try to sort of keep it to, right, I need to, XYZ's got a release coming out. This is happening. This is happening. I need to push this and try and concentrate some of that as much as I can into like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, but I'm not going to scroll and scroll. But to be honest, now my feed of scrolling is pretty much travel stuff and cats and, you know, so, so <laughs> some other just like actual mind numbing things, which sometimes can be quite a nice switch off. 
tell us about going to India to do your Reiki one and two, because I think everything that you've just said about having a deep connection shows through this really, again, another brave choice. You're full of these brave choices that to other people would seem really scary but you're like how is the how do I get the most connection the most authenticity <laughs> what's the way that I can challenge myself do you know what I've I've always been a bit like that like I've sort of dropped everything and went traveling with my boyfriend when I was like 22 I just was desperate to just get out there and experience other cultures and do different things and I've jumped into jobs that maybe initially maybe I wasn't quite ready for but I knew that if I got stuck in I could do it but I think my main bravery probably came from losing my mum like she got very she'd been very sick for like nearly a decade with it was breast cancer and it actually happened while I was away traveling and I and I flew home once I found out that she got sick and we got through that. She was in remission. And then a few, you know, a couple of years went by and it came back in her liver. And I cannot wait until they find something that they can use to fight cancer that isn't the insane poison that chemo is, because I've never witnessed anybody in so much pain and turmoil as watching my mum go through that. She but in the, other than those sort of sporadic periods of illness from the chemo she lived a very full life even through all of her illness and was still going on holidays and going away right up until the last three months when things started to deteriorate really badly my mum was always very vocal about you know she wished she'd gone to this place or this you know when we would chat and you know in in her final days in that hospital and I was sort of looking at her I was like wow that is that's the end that's the end of this chapter of your story and it gave me this insane fearlessness after she passed because nothing mattered. It's very, very intense at the beginning. And part of the grief process for me was just like, well, partly you're walking around the town and you'll be like, I, how is everyone just going on around their normal lives when this catastrophic thing has happened? And you're, you feel very disjointed and like you're walking around in a dream for me. Um, uh, but then post that, it became like, date the person, go for the job, do this. Because if it doesn't work out, like, so what? Literally, so what? It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the chapter. And I definitely think that kickstarted me doing more and, and not feeling afraid to fly to India on my own on this, like, like tin can airplane from from Delhi up into the Himalayas to go and stay with this woman and her family and learn Reiki. Like, it wasn't, it was just, why not? And I've kind of really kept that. I feel like when you, when I see some people argue or, and we all get bogged down sometimes in the day to day and we all love a moan because we're human, but there's definitely, I've kept an element of that. This can't touch me or it can touch me for two days and then no, it's just not a thing anymore. But the Reiki itself, I went on a trip to, to India with a few friends at the end of 2017 and Hadn't necessarily been looking for some, well, maybe I had actually. I'd had a few set, few Reiki sessions with different masters as we moved to different places. One of the girls that I was chatting with is also very spiritual and we love geeking out on that stuff together. And whenever we were in a new town, we were like, cool, who are the psychics? Who are the, who are the healers? <laughs> who are like the, the witchy people that we can go and meet? Because <laughs> who knows what, what 
even some nugget of knowledge and goodness that we could be given that, that could end up helping us or changing us or helping someone else, whatever. We were just fascinated by it. And we'd had a few sessions and we'd had a few really interesting experiences, but then we ended up in um, a Gonda beach and we were walking down the street, we were getting something to eat and we saw this battered old sign saying Reiki that led up to these stairs. And we're like, okay, let's, let's just go up. And so we went up and we met this lady and she didn't have an appointment right then, but she asked us to come back tomorrow. She was insistent that she knew me already as well, which she absolutely didn't, um, which was quite interesting. And then we, we both went back I had a really intense session with her that just released these like floodgates of emotions. And I remember standing in the sea on the beach with my friend after it happened, I just couldn't stop crying. It was such a release. And then my friend actually, and I had to go home, but my friend ended up staying and doing her level one with her right then. And she had said to me that I really needed to learn Reiki to protect myself because I was very, very open and very all over the place and every, all the energy was bleeding out everywhere and I was giving everything to everyone. And whilst that's great, you, you also need to learn how to sort of close yourself off and keep yourself, you know, keep your cup full instead of it bleeding out everywhere. Um, so she said, look, it doesn't have to be with me, but I strongly urge you to go and do that. And so, um, so I, I knew that my friend had had a very powerful experience doing the level one with her. I moved to Ibiza a few months later for a season to work for work. And I just couldn't get this woman and, and doing this thing like out of my head. It was around the same time I downloaded the Calm app and started meditating as well. And just the 10 minutes every day and burning incense that I'd become really fond of on that Indian trip. And that I found was really changing my thinking and my experience and my pausing before stuff which I loved and then anyway I messaged this woman and said I think I've got to come and see you she said well I'm not in Goa anymore but I'm in the Himalayas in this place called Vashisht um I live here during the summer I've got a gap in October for a week you could come um so I I booked it and I uh flew to go and see her. That plane ride from Delhi to Manali was one of the most, when you buy a plane ticket, you don't think it's going to be one of the most in intense experiences ever, but the views of the Himalayas and just flying over them was something that just took my breath away. I've never been able to forget that. Um, but she was a wonderful person. We did, the attunements were mind blowing. The first one, I, as she was doing it and circling me and I had my eyes closed, I could just feel this golf ball in my throat that was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like I was choking on it. I, and, and, and I, and I'm the sort of person that I'm very open and I, I obviously wanted to have a lovely experience, but I've got my dad's slightly critical element in my head. So I'm, I'm kind of going in there as a slight skeptic and I, it got to a point with the experiences that I had with this woman over the over that week and, you know, experiences that I was feeling, colours I was seeing and, and things I was seeing that it became something that I couldn't deny rather than something I was trying to talk to myself into believing. And I just remember every single day after all the lessons going back to my little room and just being like, what's happening? And I felt 
when I flew home um, to the UK after it was finished, the sense that I felt after doing those two achievements was like, it was like I was completely clean. Yeah. It was like it had just washed everything away. And like everything inside me was so fresh. And although I could remember all the all the trauma and all the different things, and I was taking the knowledge of that, it didn't feel I didn't feel like any icky energy. Oh, yeah. yeah, I felt clean and like invigorated. And it was that I can't explain. And I've never felt like that since then. And weird things like I could have one drink when I started, you know, I wasn't drinking for a while after that you have to do all these positions and you have to really like ingrain the practice into yourself. Um, and, but once I started sort of partaking in normal social activities again, everything would affect me one glass of champagne and I'd be like hammered. (laughs) And that as well was just like, wow, I really do feel like there's been some sort of like someone's taken out all of my spiritual insides, put them through the ringer and put them back in me again. And that was, and then, but as you know, there's a big uh, dance conference in Amsterdam every year called ADE. I went straight from Delhi to ADE. (laughs) (laughs) I basically floated around Amsterdam, just like feeling amazing. But there was, there's downsides to that experience. I got very, very sick after those two Reiki achievements. Yeah, spiritual flu. It was full dark night of the soul, massive purge. Like I had really bad neck problems, even though I hadn't done anything to my neck. I just woke up one morning and couldn't move my neck. It never happened before. It's never happened since, only in that period. I had I had one particular period where I fainted and passed out on the floor one day. It was things that have never happened before and never happened since, and I can't explain, so they must be attributed to that. Spirituality is only for the brave-hearted. Yeah, it's no joke. It's really no joke. There's definitely a before doing it, certain elements of spirituality or plant medicine, and an after doing it, for sure. There's new neural pathways. Oh, I do believe in the neural pathways, and I feel like anyone that's like mildly sceptical needs needs a little bit of the science and the, understand what's going on with the hormones because all of all of the spirituality elements work better when your body is harmonized with them. Otherwise, it just feels like slightly weird, unexplained. It was about five months after I'd done that trip to India that I saw you for that Reiki session in your garden. And I'd been doing it for quite a lot of other friends as well. Um, I bought a massage table and I'm quite a planty candle incense person anyway. So I was just making sort of dens in my room and inviting friends around for me to be able to to give them these treatments and uh, it was it was such an incredibly rewarding amazing experience to to do this with people I need to hear the experiences that other people are having on the table was mind-blowing for me yeah but it's dropped off a bit since covid and I don't think I've been in a spiritually very not as a charged strong place as I was in 2019 because there's just been a lot of hardship so I I, I can't wait to get back to a point when I feel like my I've got the time to refuel my spiritual cup to then be able to start doing those things again and giving to others because I really miss it I think I just have to remind you of what your psychic said and I think it's the perfect place to wrap up which is just because you're not giving it in the way you think you should doesn't mean you're not giving those spiritual experiences to people 
I think you have actually perfectly illustrated how you can have a mainstream job that is so important that there are documentaries about what you do going to film festivals and it's in part due to the spirituality that you infuse through it all. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me. Like what you're doing is is incredible and the breathwork and you're such a fantastic breathwork facilitator. So yeah, this is going to be a very exciting chapter, I think. For both of us, right back at you. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Spiritual Mixtape, the podcast. Both your time and your support is very greatly appreciated. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform so that you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's content, I would be really grateful if you left a review at Apple Podcasts or beyond. For future updates on our upcoming episodes and special projects, follow along on Instagram at Spiritual Mixtape. You can also visit the website www.spiritualmixtape.com to find more resources and connect with me direct. Of course, though, if you have questions, suggestions, or just want to say hello, drop me an email at hello at spiritualmixtape.com. I absolutely love hearing from you. Thank you for letting the mixtape be part of your journey today. And until next time, find your inner anthem and let it guide you.